Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle, snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's a deep dive Wednesday, as we'll hear from the Dolphins coordinators, Josh Boyer, Eric Studisville, and Danny Crossman on some of the biggest storylines, including Nick Needham's versatility, winning in the trenches, and flying to the football. Plus, we'll talk about the offensive line, the players off the edge, and tell you what's going on around the web in Dolphins world. All of that and much more from somewhere in South Florida. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So I began my Tuesday morning as I do each week, taking a look around the web, trying to see what type of Dolphins-related content is out there. And here's what I found today. Number one, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Good Morning Football, right? And angry runs. And we saw our quarterback drop his shoulder and run through a defender in the game on Sunday. And so guess what he got? That's right. He got the scepter from Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football. The Week 15 Angry Runs winner goes to quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. So he gets the scepter. I'm sure we'll talk to him about that uh, later today in his media availability and find out where that thing is going to be kept, where it's going to be held for the rest of the season, for the rest of time, as he does get the scepter for the Week 15 Angry Run. Also, on Good Morning Football on Tuesday morning, Christian Wilkins made an appearance talking to Kay Adams and the Breakfast Club there at the table. If you guys have not checked out Good Morning Football every single morning on NFL Network, one of the best shows out there, For my money, obviously the best talk show because, well, it's about football and they have a great cast as well. But here's Christian Wilkins talking about the entirety of that play, that touchdown, the celebration, all of it here on NFL Network. Coach Flores calls your number on first and goal from the one. What was the play call? It looked like you were ready to go. Yeah, I was ready. Um, You know, Coach Flores kind of, you know, we we drew it up in the sand on the the sideline. Um, You know, he just... We just needed a spark, you know what I'm saying? He's needing an athlete out there on the field. He's like, Christian, you're in. Go take care of business. Do what you do. And I was like, Coach, I got you. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm going to take care of business. And, you know, I had a nice, route, a nice simple route to the flat. I saw my defender. I gave him, He had inside leverage on me. I jabbed him inside, you know what I'm saying? I went outside wide open for a touchdown. Crowd goes wild, you know. <laughs> Talk to me about this. What? What how, Was this something you planned before? Talk to me about the worm. Uh, well, it was kind of just the spur of the moment. Um, you know, I just kind of, <laughs> I don't know, I just got excited. I actually had a planned celebration. I was going to give a shout-out to uh, Jalen Waddle and do the Waddle dance. Um, but, you know, because uh-huh. he wasn't playing Aww. in the game Sunday. But I kind of went rogue. I kind of went rogue and forgot about him. Um, you know, he's a rookie anyway. We don't care about him. No. <laughs> yep. So uh, but no, then I just went rogue, got excited, jumped in the crowd, came out, still, still felt good, still wanted to celebrate. So then, uh, you know, just just did the worm, did the spinneroni, you know, did 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 all that. So I had a good time doing that. A little throwback break dance action. 
going rogue. What else is more Christian Wilkins than going rogue on your own touchdown celebration? You love to see it. You love to have this guy in your locker room, on your team, and all of the above. So that's what I found around the web. I want to get now to my top news story up on MiamiDolphins.com and take a look at a few things that really piqued my interest with finding out more about those things that piqued my interest through the Dolphins uh, coordinators as we spoke to Josh Boyer, Danny Crossman, and Eric Studisville on Tuesday for this Wednesday podcast. And just looking back over how the Dolphins got back to 7-7, seven and seven, and we do want to turn the page here, but I think you know history can be instructive for future results. And I've talked about this so many times on this podcast, on my previous podcast that I used to host, or whether it's written word on, on dot coms or Twitter, that the best NFL teams find multiple ways to win games. Like we've had instances where even this week's opponent, for instance, the Saints with Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame top 10 all-time quarterback, had three consecutive seven and nine seasons because they did not have that changeup to Drew Brees and the passing game. They didn't have the running game to complement the passing game. They didn't have the defense to help them close out games. They didn't have the special teams to get them the fine margins to win games. And they relied on their Hall of Fame all-time great quarterback, which is obviously a great way to win games, but it's not a great way to get deep into the season. And what the Saints said after that, after those three seven-win seasons in a row, was they found Alvin Kamara. They found Ryan Ramchek and built up the offensive line around a great draft class in a free agency period. And they went out and found a defense to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks and play lockdown coverage with Marcus Lattimore and eventually C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the back end there. And you know about the names and the, the way they piled up 11 and 12 and 13 win seasons and division championships and deep postseason runs with Drew Brees because they had multiple ways to win games. And over Miami's winning streak, they've won in several different ways. They turned the Texans over four times. There was a quarterback switch in the Baltimore game. They threw the ball 41 times in the victory over the Giants. And then Sunday over the Jets, you come back with a dominant rushing performance, topping your previous season high by 50 yards by rushing for a buck 83 in that game, by getting your first individual up over 100 yards, by having Miles Gaskin hit his longest run of the season for 30 yards. And so I look you know, to the rest of the schedule and think, obviously this week is the one you look at, but can Miami go to multiple ways to win games? And just kind of go back to the running game here. They had success really running to a variety of gaps. And again, I think instructive, the past can be instructive for future success. And this offensive line is building some momentum. We talked about Liam Eikenberg's run with one pressure allowed in three straight games. We've talked about Austin Jackson really throughout the course of the podcast this season, about some of the grueling type of reps he has in the running game where he can get out in space and and square guys up and move guys off the football and create space that way. We talk about Robert Hunt all the time, about Michael Dieter stabilization up front as well. The tight ends, the receivers contributing in the running game. It's been a full team effort, but just to look at some of the numbers here, and it was only two carries, but Miami did go for an average of 15 and a half yards running behind Robert Hunt. That's a great pro football focus stat for you there. He's also on the top 10 run block win rate numbers for ESPN this season among offensive guards. So obviously Rob having a good year there. But also looking at some of the numbers here, when the Dolphins went left, the results were consistently positive, taking runs into the C gap, which is between your tight end and the left tackle or just outside the left tackle when there is no tight end out there. The B gap between your tackle and your guard, your A gap between your guard and your center 
We Miami ran 14 times on such runs for 83 yards and an average of 5.39 yards per rush. And again, some backside pulling guards. Robert Hunt had a big block on this. Michael Dieter is there to anchor it all. And of course, the tight ends and receivers on the outside. The Dolphins also picked up six first downs on such runs and four runs of 10 plus yards. And again, on that left side is first round draft pick in 2020, Austin Jackson at left guard and 2021 second rounder, Liam Eichenberg. And that duo teamed up for a number of big blocks off that side, including some double team looks, some duo, some single blocks as well. But those combination blocks where they chipped the first level, climbed to the second level, that was a good job on the Dolphins' offense of getting some space, creating some push there for the Dolphins' running backs. But according to co-offensive coordinator Eric Studisville, it's really more of a team effort in that running game. I think you you know there's a lot of different runs in there, and they hit different places where um, it's not always dependent on um, you know, a certain tandem. I mean, we need everybody, you know, everybody's got to do that. We had, there was a lot of line movement that happened um, in the game against the Jets. And so we had to shut line movement off. We did, obviously we did run good at, behind some double teams. We had a number of good double teams where we moved people off the ball, but, uh, but those big runs and things that happened, those are involved in a lot of different things. It starts with the offensive line. Certainly the back gets all the credit for the yards, but it starts with the offensive line. It starts with the wide receivers coming in and blocking force and pushing people by to get extra yardage downfield. Um, it, it's a it's a group effort with everybody involved in it. So, um, you know, there was some good double teams in there, but there's a lot of good things that happened in there too with, with everybody on the offense trying to contribute to a, a good run. So there you have Coach Studisville breaking down the running game there. he's He's been doing this for a long time. Run game coordinator, offensive coordinator, play caller, all that fun stuff throughout the course of his pro career and college career and, and just coaching career in general. So good stuff there from Coach. You can find the entirety of his media availability up on the YouTube channel. And we'll come back to some more stuff with Coach here in just one second. But I want to pivot now to the defensive side of the football and the edge position because I continue to watch the work of Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips, and Andrew Van Ginkle and the surge they've shown in recent weeks and how to kind of extrapolate that into Sunday, or Monday's game rather against the New Orleans Saints when the Dolphins are going to have to bring all kinds of bodies to the party to get Taysom Hill and Alan Kamara stopped up and, and get some pass rush when they do have to go through the air. But I find the construction of this room interesting and in how it was put together because obviously pretty much every position group Actually, all of them really have been remade since Brian Flores' arrival back in 2019 with Chris Greer being at the head of the front office and his scouting staff he put together and the pro personnel and everything they've done to rebuild this entire roster since they've kind of become a tandem here in Flores and Greer. I look at the edge position and think, man, they really knocked it out of the park in so many different avenues to get this collection of players. I mean, a 2020 free agent in Emmanuel Ogba, a 2021 first-round draft pick in Jalen Phillips, one of the first draft picks of the Flores-Greer pairing, and Andrew Van Ginkle back in the fifth round in 2019. And, you know, he plays with his hand in the dirt, standing up in a two-point stance. He drops into coverage. He recognizes stick combos as well as anybody in the National Football League where you run the stick route, the little hook route, and the flat route. I love watching him defend that as well as rush the passer, as well as retrace the quarterback as he scrambles across the backfield. Jalen Phillips, just a pure pass rusher off the edge, tough to deal with. The amount of attention he commands in double teams and chips and help. And then Emmanuel Ogba and his ability 
to do a little bit of everything, to condense inside, to rush from that interior position, to set strong edges in the running game. And really, this is true of all these guys and the multiple capacities they play and the pass rush ability. And again, one thing I love seeing more than anything else we talked about in the podcast yesterday is just how they fly to the football. They're all over the place. You can see it on runs away from their particular gap. They chase that thing down from the backside and really show that effort and that motor. And I think that that helps with, obviously, their skill set to this particular stat where they all rank inside the top 30 on pro football focus in terms of edge players and quarterback pressures. Ogba's 57 now after one more day of games is 10th among all edge defenders. Andrew Van Ginkle's 40 quarterback pressures are tied for 28th in the National Football League among edge defenders. And in that same grouping, Jalen Phillips has 37. That's tied for 30th in the NFL. So the sack production, swatting balls down at the line of scrimmage, setting up other guys for chances to make plays. It's all part of the job description for this group and for the entire defense. Well, I think, uh, you know, any, any time that you look at individual stats, there's, a, there's obviously a lot that goes into, um, you know, all 11 guys being on the same page. But at the same time, you know, guys doing their jobs well uh, sets, you know, somebody up on the defense for production. And, um, you know, and we've been, you know, like, like we've said all year, our guys, they work extremely hard. Uh, they've, they've put a lot of work in, and I, I believe we're still improving. And uh, we still got room to improve. And, um, you know, it's really a credit to them uh, for the execution, the communication, uh, the understanding of what goes on uh, in, in each given play. And, um, you know, the ability to get some production and pressure, uh, you know, and a lot of times our, our guys are very unselfish. You'll see, you'll see other guys actually open up stuff for other players and uh, they're just as happy uh, you know, that, that we're succeeding as a team. And again, I mentioned it there, as you heard coach talk about some of the things we've covered in the podcast about guys being unself or being selfless, I should say, to set other guys up for chances to make plays and celebrate it all together. But as I talk about the way they chase down the backside on running plays or Christian Wilkins retracing a screen, whatever the case may be, the hustle effort we have seen from so many players, I think it's the most entertaining part of this defense, how they all play with their hair on fire that way. And the effort is always going to lead to takeaways. And, you know, we've heard the term or the, the idea before that takeaways are not sustainable. I kind of call BS on that because the dolphins are proving that. I mean, they've, they're putting together another streak here of takeaways in terms of getting the football away from the opposing offense after having that 20 something game streak earlier in the season, snapped, picking it right back up and they're top 10 in the NFL and takeaways this season once again. And I think that's set up a lot of the time by just running to the football and playing aggressively. Here's Coach Boyer on the coaching point or the mentality on that defense to fly to the football. Well, I I think, you know, ultimately, you know, when you're when you're playing team defense, I mean, you you definitely want to get everybody with a relentless pursuit to the football. Um, And I I don't know who said it or what quote it was, but, you know, a long time ago, somebody said, you know, you can measure the love of uh, your teammate by your distance to the ball. And, you know, and I, I think you see our guys, you know, they, they play hard. Uh, they play for one another. Uh, there's a joy out there and they know that people are counting on them. So, you know, their effort to the ball is very important. And obviously we highlight that when it's when it's done well and when it's not to the standard that we believe it should be, then, you know, 
we get on that too. So, but uh, you know, we, we got a lot of guys that fly around to the football out there. And again, like I said, we're, we're going to need our best football this week. We got, we got a great opponent coming up. Um, you know, coach Peyton and coach Carmichael, uh, phenomenal offensive coaches. They make it really hard for you defensively. Uh, they got great, <laughs> you know, they got a good offensive line. They got great skill players. Um, you know, they got really good running backs. Uh, they got a dynamic quarterback that can run. He could throw, um, you know, this is going to be a big challenge for us. And we're, we're going to need everybody, all 11 guys on defense to be on the same page to communicate well, to play with good fundamentals and good techniques for 60 minutes, one play at a time. That's what we're going to need this week. And, you know, but we're excited about the challenge. Definitely a challenge coming up on Monday night in New Orleans. Just to go ahead and finish that point there. Coach Flores touched on the Saints as well, calling them a tough physical team across the board, offense, defense, and special teams. They've got a lot of great players. Obviously, they're well coached really across the board. He too mentioned Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael. Dennis Allen's been one of the top DCs in the game for a while now. Riz, Darren Rizzi, we all know who he is, special teams coach. He says, I think they do a great job. They've got a lot of really good players. They played well last night. That was on Monday, talking about Sunday night. They've been playing really well. Like I said, we have our hands full. So there you go. The two coaches there, Flores and Boyer, talking about the job coming up on Monday night in New Orleans. But I want to go back to what coach talked about there, about being selfless and celebrating plays for one another, because I think few guys embody that the way that Nick Needham does and being a selfless teammate who since arriving in Miami as an undrafted free agent back in 2019, whatever is asked of him, he's done it at a high level. He was a lockdown corner at UTEP, University of Texas, El Paso, on the perimeter, almost exclusively. He played five snaps in the slot and one at free safety, according to Pro Football Focus. His final year there at UTEP, you go back to 2015, his freshman season, he did play a little bit more inside. But beyond that, it was like a total of 10 snaps between safety and, and inside cornerback. So he was basically a perimeter cornerback exclusively. And like all DBs that come through Miami under Flores and Boyer, Needham took some immediate cross training in that rookie season, played 157 snaps on the inside compared to 531 on the perimeter. But then after landing one of the game's top cornerbacks, you know, a perimeter cornerback in Byron Jones last year, Needham had to find a new position to get that playing time again because we know they've, you know, Charles Burks, Josh Boyer, Gerald Alexander, Brian Flores have all talked about this. It's hard to crack the lineup when Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are on the outside. And those are the two positions you get a chance at. And those guys don't miss games or they haven't missed games over the last two years. And that's what they're going to play. So Needham had to move inside to find some more work. And he did that. And he's been targeted 60 times. Last year, I should say, he was targeted 60 times by opposing quarterbacks with a passer rating of just 90.6 on such throws. And this year, in even an even larger role, his passer rating against is right at 91.8 below league average. So it's the type of career arc to me that exemplifies what it means to play for the Miami Dolphins. And again, Tuesday, Josh Boyer showed his appreciation for what Nick Needham has been able to do in his three years culminating on Sunday with 45 or 44 rather of his 57 defensive snaps coming in the high post that free safety position where he was not targeted a single time in the passing game on 34 coverage snaps. Well, Nick's a hard worker. Uh, he's, he's very intelligent. Um, you know, he's played inside and outside, uh, you know, uh, at, from a corner position, uh, which, you know, he's involved in a lot of communication, especially when he's on the inside. 
And, um, you know, he's, he's a strong communicator. He understands where guys fit and where they're supposed to be. And, um, you know, and obviously he has a skill set that allows him to do, be, do multiple things. And, you know, he put a lot of, lot of time and effort in it, into it. And, uh, you know, it was credit to him to be able to kind of a, a smooth transition for him, uh, even though it was a foreign position. Um, but, you know, his just his ability to understand concepts and to handle conceptual learning at a, at a fast and high rate. And I would say this is something that he's improved, you know, each year that he's been here and he works very hard at it. Uh, to kind of know and understand, you know, how everybody fits. And uh, like I said, he's a strong communicator. He's confident in what he's saying. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just a good, good all-around football player that can play multiple spots. And Flores echoed those sentiments, talking about Nick being a smart player, how he understands the defense kind of conceptually, who is supposed to be in what spot. He hasn't had a ton of reps there, he said, obviously, throughout the course of the year, but he was able to step in on Sunday and take some practice reps and then really step up for us in the game. So good stuff there from the coaches. want to go ahead and keep it here with the coaches and talk about Byron Jones as Coach Boyer was asked about his performance and his production, and he had some good insight on the Dolphins' outside corner. Byron, you know, he he uh, he had some production for us uh, uh, last week, um, you know, and, um, you know, I thought, thought he had a very solid game. Uh, I think he's doing a lot of good things. There's a lot of things that he does on a field that I, I think, you know, even when the ball doesn't go his way, a lot of people don't see. Um, so, you know, and again, he work, he's one of those guys that works at his craft, uh, you know, on a daily basis. Um, he's, he's very good at film study. Uh, and, uh, you know, he seems to be playing some of his best ball. And we're going to need that this week, uh, you know, with the Saints coming up. Uh, you know, again, this is a, a big game for us. And, um, you know, and I'm sure Byron will come in here, work hard and continue to do some of the things that he's been doing. But, yeah, we've been getting, um, you know, a lot of production out of Byron for sure. There you have Coach Boyer. Let's go ahead and finish up one more here from Josh Boyer talking about Christian Wilkins' touchdown. Some interesting perspectives here from the Dolphins' defensive coordinator. You you know, the funny thing about that is uh, I I have not seen it. Um, uh, Because a lot of times when we're on offense, you know, Obviously, we're we're always preparing on what what situations could be coming up defensively. Uh, I haven't watched any of the offensive film. I'm happy for Christian. I know you know Christian will probably tell you how athletic he is, which he is athletic. Um, but uh, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for our team. I don't care who scores. You know, obviously, uh, you know, anytime we score, that that's that's a good deal for us. Um, but I, I have not seen the play. Play a few more sound bites here. Let's go ahead and transition to Dolphins uh, special teams coordinator Danny Crossman, who was asked about the snap to the up back in the game on Sunday and just what happened there. Uh, yeah, the, the old adage, failure to communicate. Again, just as much as we harbor about communication, we had miscommunication there on on exactly the process of what we were trying to get done in that situation, and uh, and you end up with a bad play. And let's go ahead and spin it well, forward here to Coach talking about Michael Pilardi. I asked him, you know, Pilardi's average has gone up over the last few weeks, and Coach gave us an interesting perspective about the style of punch you ask for in certain situations. Uh, I, again, I, I think like we've talked about on several occasions, uh, you know, in this particular game, especially, you know, based on the field position and where we were punting from, you know, we've had several games this year where, you know, all the punts were – 50-yard uh, line plus 50. This happened to be a game where a lot of our punts were backed up. So 
more of an opportunity to flip the field and more of an opportunity to get the ball down the field in terms of uh, looking at gross. I want to go back to the offensive side of the football now and go back to Coach Studisville, who was asked about Austin Jackson's move to left guard and what he's seen from him over the last couple of months at his new position. Yeah, I think he's continuing to work and develop at that position. It's obviously a new experience going from tackle to guard, but he's uh, he's he's committed to it. He's working at it all the time, constantly, and working to get better. And I think we're seeing um, you know, improvement in, in in all areas with that. We just, all of us have to do in every position. We've got to keep getting better and keep working to improve all the time. So going from the trenches inside out to the perimeter, and I wanted to ask Coach about the process of losing a player midweek when you have him for part of the game plan and in regards to Jalen Waddell, who goes on the COVID list late last week before coming off it now on Monday for the Miami Dolphins. But how much of a challenge is it to adjust your game plan when you lose a guy you were planning on having in that particular game plan? I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately those situations happen where your personnel changes. And, and when that does happen, you know, they're not going to they're not going to stop playing the game on Sunday. So we've got to have an opportunity to get somebody else ready to go. Somebody else has got to take advantage of that opportunity to be ready to go. And then we've we've got the expectation for everybody, coaches and players, that we have to perform at a higher level when that opportunity comes up. So um, it, it, does it change your plans to a certain extent? Certainly it does with a good player that that you're, you're missing in there. But um, we've got to we got to be ready to go. And someone's got to step up there because they're going to put a ball down on Sunday. Let's go right back to the trenches now as coach was asked about Robert Jones, the undrafted rookie this season, who played 10 snaps in the game on Sunday. You kept hearing it on the TV broadcast, I'm sure. Number 65 has reported as eligible. The extra offensive lineman under the game, 6-0 line, the heavy package. Here's coach on the decision to go with that on Sunday. Well, I think, you know, um, it's, it's something we've talked about and have the, the capability of doing, um, you know, you can utilize uh, an extra player in a number of different ways. Um, and, and it was just an opportunity to, to get Rob in there. We felt it was something that would give us an advantage. And again, we felt it was something that would give us productive plays potentially. So, um, you know, we, we, we do those things uh, on different personnel groups at different times and, and we're different plays, whatever that is. But we, hit, we have the capability of using different players, much like we use Christian as the fullback in the goal line package. Very, very similar sort of concept. And I want to go ahead and finish up with this question I had for Coach regarding the message to the team after you face the adversity there, because I think it applies to really the rest of the season and every single game and every single day in this profession of how you overcome something that doesn't go your way, because when you're competing against somebody else, it's going to happen. So what was the message to the team after the pick six, knowing we have to go put a drive together after that happened in the game? Well, I think the message is consistent and it starts, you know, comes from coach all the time that, hey, we're going to we've got to play for 60 minutes. This game is going to be 60 minutes and we're going to have to play it right down to the end. We don't know how it's going to end up, but we know if we're, we're in it at the end, we believe that we're going to play hard enough and, and find a way. So we've got to play for the full 60 minutes and, uh, you know, adversity happens and our players responded, um, you know, really well in that situation and uh, gave us a chance to win that football game. But we've got to play the whole game for 60 minutes, and Coach preaches that all the time. So there you go. There's your coordinator media from Tuesday. Again, if you have not done so already, you can check out the entirety of those interviews on the YouTube channel, the Miami Dolphins official YouTube channel. As for today's podcast, that's going to be my time. 
you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We'll have the preview pod for you guys tomorrow. Dolphins at Saints. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingful NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins on all social media accounts. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ. They had Jed Weaver on this week. Of course, the YouTube channel for the media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy's coming home.